Can you hear me? Is this on? Yeah, it sounds like it's on. Well, a very good morning to you, and a particularly warm welcome to anyone new joining us today. Uh, imagine, uh, you know, after the service this morning, over tea and coffee, we start, you know, to introduce ourselves, and we're catching up, and you're asking me, you know, what I've been up to recently. Uh, well, I might say, well, you know, recently I've taken up windsurfing. Well, I did say you have to use your imagination, okay? But, you know, it's become a real passion of mine. I've got all the equipment. I've got the surfboard, the wetsuit, the armbands. I've, I've got the... case of falling. I've got the boom. See, I know all the lingo. That's the essential bit of kit, because uh, that's the bit you have to hold on to very so, ever so tightly, in my case. And that's how you manoeuvre the board. And I've even joined Westcliff windsurfing club. There's such a lovely bunch of folk down there. Really, really nice. Well, you might turn around and say, well, that sounds like you're a really dedicated windsurfer. How, well, how often do you go out you know, surfing, Steve? Well, at this point, I look a bit puzzled and sort of say, oh, no, I haven't actually gone out windsurfing. <laughs> I haven't actually done it. I'll just stay on dry land, thank you very much. Now, now at this point in the conversation, you're probably thinking... This guy's a bit odd, isn't he? He calls himself a windsurfer, yet he's never actually done it. He's a bit delusional. Well, this whole story may sound a bit far-fetched and a bit odd, doesn't it? But this morning, as we come to God's Word, and we continue in our series looking at the great theme of wisdom, we come to remind her that if we are to be wise then we must not only listen to God's word, but we need to obey and actually do it too. See, just because we read the Bible, we may know all the stories about Jesus, we can go along to church, sing all the hymns, be in all sorts of rotors, we can even watch songs of praise on Sunday. But there's a real danger, though, that we can kid ourselves into thinking that we are disciples of Jesus. We are deluded. Well, before we read today's passage, let's pray and ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time together. We pray that as we come to your holy word, you will speak to us, that you'll open our ears to hear you clearly, and may our minds concentrate and focus on you. And Lord, may you open our eyes and teach us not to be deluded, but, one, but people that are genuine followers of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me read from James chapter 1, uh, verses 19 to 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, I always love, isn't it, how James is very direct and blunt, isn't he? I think if he'd been an Englishman, he would have, been, he would have come from Yorkshire, I reckon. He, he doesn't mess around, does he? He's just kind of, he's very blunt. But he writes these words with great love and concern. See how he starts. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, pay attention. Listen. This is important. You see, I suspect we've heard in the news recently, haven't we, about these financial uh, scams, or maybe you received warnings from your banks, you know, where fraudsters have deceived other people into handing over their life savings. You know, that's, of course, that's rather sad and tragic. But James explains something far more tragic here, something far more serious. That's why he's saying pay attention see, he's concerned that people are being deceived, not by others, but by themselves and about their very own souls. See, if you look at verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You see, this word planted in us is God's word. And if you hear God's word, the words of eternal life, we need to do what it says. The word of God is living and active, isn't it? It works to make us wise towards salvation. And it would be foolish to ignore it. You see, the problem James was trying to deal with, and it's the same problem for us today, is that sometimes we think that listening to or knowing God's word is enough yet James continues, doesn't he, in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, to hear God's word without doing anything, it kind of leads to self-deception. That's what James is essentially saying here. That's what Jesus says too, doesn't it? Do you remember in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave an illustration and he said that everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And what happened to that man who built his house upon the sand? Well, it has a tragic ending, doesn't it? Uh, the rains came down, perhaps like it did just then, and his house collapsed. The man died under a heap of rubble. And Why? because he hadn't listened to the words of Jesus, the master builder. 
And James, he gives an illustration too, doesn't he? He talks about this man who looks at his face in a mirror. And he saw what needed to be done. But then he just walks away. He doesn't do anything about it. He just forgets what he saw. It's crazy. If I walked into church this morning and, and Craig said to me, he'd probably say, mate, you got a dollop of raspberry jam on your chin from your breakfast. You know, no, I, would, <laughs> I would want to do something about removing it straight away. And it's often said, isn't it, that when we look into the word of God in the Bible, it's like looking into a mirror. But the word of God isn't not, not, not like an ordinary mirror, is it? Which can only show external features. But God's word, as we just sung actually on that last song we sung, it said it goes much deeper within and searches our hearts. It reveals to us our very thoughts, our desires and intentions. It's probably more like an x-ray machine than a mirror. Do you remember when Jesus met this Samaritan woman at the well? And afterwards, she went around the whole village, didn't she, telling everyone, come, see a man that told me all the things I ever did. See, when we open up God's word and encounter Jesus, we see ourselves as we really are. And the problem is sometimes we don't like to see what's in the mirror, do we? I always dread that moment at the barber's uh, when after they've cut my hair, they hold up the mirror so I can see behind the back of my head. And I suddenly look in horror as I realise, yeah, that can't be me. I don't, I'm sure I've got more hair than that. <laughs> That's why I haven't been for ages. Anyway, so a lot of us can't face up to reality. And it's a bit like the man here. We'd rather just walk away from the mirror and ignore what we've seen and forget about it as soon as possible. Of course, there is another possibility, though, isn't it? It's not that this man doesn't remember what he saw in the mirror, not because he doesn't like what he's seen, but it's because he doesn't regard it as very important. You know, Jesus, heaven, eternal life, that's all good stuff. But the problem is, this man, he has a, you know, he's got a career to pursue, he's got family to look after, hobbies to pursue. Other things just get in the way, don't they? After all, it's not that important compared to his other priorities in his life. Well, what about us this morning? What will, what will we, we do with God's word? Will we walk away and forget about it? Or alternatively, will we be like the other man that James talks about uh, in verse 25? This is verse 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. See, James' purpose here isn't to condemn us, but to change us, to remind us that God's word gives freedom. As we've already seen, Jesus himself expects us to be transformed and to put his words into action. And the more we look at Jesus, the more we will be transformed by him. James says we are to look intently into God's word. And that literally means to stoop down and take a serious look 
and to keep on looking. I don't know, you may recall a few weeks ago when Bill was preaching, um, he mentioned that famous painting um, of the Mona Lisa by Leonardo DiCaprio in the Louvre. I'm just checking, just checking if you're listening. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci. Well, from what I remember of um, whenever I went there, going there, it seems that nearly all the tourists, they just make a beeline, don't they, for the Mona Lisa. There's like a flow of tourists just following the signs of that painting. The thing is, the Louvre is full of other treasures as well, though, isn't it? And I always feel a bit sorry for that room where the Mona Lisa is because everyone ignores all the other paintings and just looks at the Mona Lisa. But the point is, let's not miss out on the treasures that are in this book, the Bible. And it's true that just like we're searching for treasure, we sometimes may need to dig deep, and that requires tough work. But when we do, the rewards are great. And did you see that James said earlier in verse 21, he said that we are to come to accept God's word humbly. Do we come humbly to God's word with a sense of expectation that God is going to speak to us? Or do we come with proud hearts, perhaps thinking that we already know it all? Uh, Sometimes we come across a familiar passage. We might think, oh, I know all about the parable of this good Samaritan. Do I really need to hear it again? or whatever the passage may be. Or maybe you're sitting there this morning thinking, oh, I think we have this passage just a few weeks ago. But here's the thing, I wonder if God sometimes says, you know what, yes, you may have heard this before. You might be familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan, but you need to hear it again as you're not doing it. Just because you know it up here in your head your heart hasn't changed. You're not acting on it. I remember my uh, dear piano teacher always used to tell me in every lesson, she used to say, Stephen, you know what the, you know what the answer is, don't you? S-L-O-W. You need to practice slowly. And she had to tell me that every week, it wasn't because I'd forgotten, it's just that I wasn't doing it. In fact, there's a, a story I heard, I'm not sure if it's true, it's about a new curate who joined a church and he gave a fantastic sermon, a bit like Nick a, few, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then, and then the following Sunday, he gave exactly the same sermon and the elders in the church were a bit puzzled. And I thought that perhaps he was just a bit nervous or forgot. And then the Sunday after that, he preached exactly the same sermon again. Well, the elders this time were not that pleased and uh, you know, went up to him after the services and said, look, do you know you've preached the same sermon now for three weeks in a row? And uh, the, the young curate replied and says, oh, I know, it's just that you listened to me three times and you still haven't done what I've preached yet. <laughs> you see, sometimes God doesn't try to fill us with more knowledge, but rather he wants to transform our hearts so that we can live it out. (laughs) And did you notice this in the passage? To hear the word and to do it leads to blessing. Why? Because for a start, we'll live the way God intends us to live. And the more we do God's word, the more we'll understand God's word. I don't know if you've come across this quote before. It goes something like this. I heard 
and I forgot. I saw and I remembered. I did and I understand. Let me say that again. I heard and I forgot. I saw and I remembered. I did and I understand. There's some truth to that, isn't there? I don't know if you've ever gone to a friend's house and they're playing a game and they're trying to teach you this, this game and they're explaining the rules. You know, they're saying, you know, oh, each player you know, has dealt three cards and the player to the left of the dealer takes the first turn by choosing one of the cards in their hand, places it on the pile, calls out its value and then draws a new card. Then the player to the left then chooses one of their cards and places it on the discarded pile, adds its value to the previous card and calls out the new total. Now, if a player forgets to draw a new card before the next player plays his, then that player must remain one card short for the remainder of the hand. <laughs> Are you with me so far? And you're like, uh, I'm not too sure. And then your friend says, don't worry, let's just play. And sure enough, once you actually start playing the game, it all starts to make sense, doesn't it? I think that's true, isn't it, with the Bible? And following Jesus can be a bit like that too, you might not fully understand everything, but the more we live out our faith, the more we begin to understand it. And we'll also be blessed because we'll not only be able to not only understand, but we'll also be able to stand. Going again back to that Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? We'll be like those who stand on the rock, strengthened by our faith, because we've applied what we know. Well, James leaves us with a bit of a challenge hanging in the air. And he gives us almost like a little test at the end of this passage, doesn't it? It's a challenging one. For the person who hears God's word and applies it will not only change their outward behaviour, but their whole conduct will be changed. So there's like three little tests, if you like. So here's the first test in verse 26. It says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. To put it another way, how well do we control our tongues? Do we sound like followers of Christ? You see, if God's word is in our hearts, it will be shown in our speech. Jesus warns us that our tongues have a habit, don't they, of revealing what's truly on our hearts they're very much connected. With our tongues, we can either destroy or build people up. And uh, I know whenever we hear about tongues, we often think about you know, the things we shouldn't say, don't we? But perhaps, too, there are things that we should be saying, but we're not. Well, James goes on much more about tongues in chapter 3, and I don't want to say much more about it here, because uh, I know we'll be looking at this perhaps in more detail next month. But think about Jesus just here for a moment. Didn't Jesus have a tongue that was perfectly controlled? His words brought truth, light and life and continue to do so. Well, here's test number two then. What is our response to those in need? Look at verse 27. James says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. 
You see, true religion, true followers of Jesus will behave like him. When God's word takes root in our hearts, it shifts our focus from ourselves to others. If we are to demonstrate a loving God, then it will be seen in our attitude for the vulnerable and those in need. Whether it's those in South End or those overseas. I was uh, sharing with you a shock, just news on Friday I heard um, that out in Vietnam, uh, there's a shocking statistic that said that there's over 1,500 children have become orphans just in these last two months due to COVID. And that's just in Ho Chi Minh City alone. How do we demonstrate God's love? Remember when I was a student uh, many years ago, I went with the church to a worship conference down in Bournemouth. I don't remember much about it, to be honest with you. But what I do remember is that as we were leaving uh, on the way to the car park, uh, we passed a homeless guy on the street, and including myself. And I don't know about you, but it did make me wonder, what was that conference all about? <laughs> you know, there was about 2,000 Christians there, yet we couldn't help this man's problem. I know, I know, you kind of think, well, we've got to be practical, we need a bit of common sense, we don't know this man's situation. But who said following Jesus involves common sense? I wonder where Jesus would have been that night in that conference centre or out with that man on the street. So we see time and time again in the Gospels that Jesus looked out for the vulnerable and weak in society. He showed unparalleled kindness and compassion. And we saw that just a couple of weeks ago, isn't it, when Nick was showing us um, the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. Jesus had time for her. He was slow to judge. And then there's uh, test number three at the end here. End of verse 27. What do we consume? Verse 27. We need to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. If the first test looks at what comes out of us through our tongues, this one looks at what goes into us, doesn't it? You know, if Jesus isn't shaping or guiding us, then what is? At the start of today's reading, James says we are to get rid of all moral filth. You, know, you wouldn't walk indoors into, our, into your home with muddy boots on. You'd want to take them off. And that's exactly the same thing here. We need to remove the filth from our lives. The Bible talks about fleeing from sin as if running away from a wild animal. I don't know if you imagine coming across a wild, charging lion that's kind of viewing you for his dinner. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't stand and steal and try and reason with it. In fact, I, would want to, I wouldn't even want to try and wrestle it. I just want to run away. Yet it's remarkable how we might tend to do that with sin. Well, again, when we look at how Jesus dealt with this test, we know he was never polluted by the world around him. For he was the one and the only one who can fully tackle and overcome sin so that you and I might be free from it. So those are those three tests. 
How do we control our tongues? How do we respond to those in need? And what do we consume? Now, let's just be clear, this isn't a perfect checklist, and nor is it a test on how we are to be saved. As I'm sure you know, we are only saved through Jesus Christ and not by the things we do. And let's face it, we will all fail, don't we, at times. However, those who belong to Jesus are expected to follow in his footsteps. In Ephesians, Paul writes that we are his workmanship, curated in Christ Jesus for good works which prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How about us as a church? Are we known for the stained glass windows, for the wonderful teaching or worship? Rather, are we known as for those who follow Christ? A place where his love is shown and demonstrated. Well, let me end with a short story about a man who was uh, late for church. And it wasn't me, okay, it wasn't me. Not this time. Well, as this man entered, he asked the church warden, on the door, if the sermon had been done yet. And the church warden wisely replied, well, the sermon's been preached, but he's yet to be done. You'll probably be relieved to know this sermon is now over. But the practical part, well, that's only just begun. So it's up to you and to me, together with the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit to actually put it into practice. Was that, was that the timer you had for me? <laughs> that's, that's but, but let's pray in close. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to be good hearers of your word. Forgive us for when we don't hear and obey. And please remove anything which blocks us from hearing from you. We pray too that we will also be doers of your word and that through your Holy Spirit, you would enable us step by step, hour by hour, to joyfully do your word so that others may know of your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen.